0: hey guys welcome to repeat number four today i have a very special guest for you alexandra kosma alexandra is the chief learning officer at edu in berlin edu is an online medical college and today we spoke about how to stay sane we spoke about women in tech about her morning routine stress management and a lot more tune in and enjoy Alex how are you doing this morning
1: hi Pete lovely it's a pleasure to talk to you today how are you doing yeah,
0: very well thank you great to have you here um and I'm actually gonna jump straight into the first question if you don't mind go ahead cool so it is 10 a.m 10 20 to be precise and I'm just sipping my second coffee of the day um okay. so I wanted to ask you what is your morning routine how does your perfect morning look look like
1: Ah, excellent question. Um, I just finished my first coffee today and I actually only have coffee on the weekends. So my morning routine is actually quite adaptive. And uh, what I mean by this is that I realized that at this point in my career, I'm actually not really limited by, by what I can learn or what I can do, but actually by how fit I am and how resilient and endurant. So I'm doing my best every day to um, get as much growth as possible, and that means actually navigating the limits of stress, like emotionally, physically, cognitively, as much as possible. So um, I've been through a lot of ups and downs in this regard, and what I found, um, at least for the last 12, 18 months, that works really well is something like an adaptive morning routine uh, that leads actually into the day. So what I do every morning is actually check my aura ring. Um, This is a little device. It's a nifty little ring. Um, You guys can Google it. That tracks a few metrics like your heart rate, heart rate variability, temperature. It has a pedometer. So it's very nice. It gives you a wealth of data and what I do with this is that I actually use a metric called heart rate variability to decide how I'm going to live that day. Okay. Um, this is a really interesting indicator, heart rate variability. It's called HRV because it actually um, gives you an indication of how much uh, stress you're under, how your body is recovering. Whether that is coming from uh, the emotional side, um, how that you've slept, how hard you've exercised. So in that regard, it's a perfect proxy for um, how your life is going at that point in time and how your body and um, your spirit is responding to it.
0: So are you basically tracking like like your own analytics every morning and then decide based on that?
1: Exactly. So... If uh, I'm in bad shape that morning, I'm actually gonna go back to bed. Nothing interesting oh, wow. is gonna happen. And later that day, I will probably cancel a few meetings, eat a little bit more to keep my energy level up. Um, if it's, let's say something in a, a neutral type of morning, I will do a bit of yoga, uh, try to meditate a bit, though that doesn't work so well always or um if i'm in good shape i'd go for a proper run do some interval training have a uh, more a heavier day meeting wise so it's uh more adaptive and for me at least this is the one method that seems to seems to really work
0: that's that's very interesting and what uh, what status is are you on today
1: today is in in between so today was uh <laughs> was a more vigorous yoga morning since it's Saturday today. The The last week has taken its toll, I have to say.
0: I get it. And that's why you need the coffees on the weekends.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. I also vary a bit the coffee. Um, if you look at your data, you may see how your body is actually reacting to coffee. But if I add coffee while I'm tired, my stress levels are actually higher. So... Everyone responds differently, but uh, if you A, B test a bit and have like a basic understanding of physiology, of your physiology and a really good understanding of your mental and emotional patterns, I think you can actually do create something like a personal lifestyle algorithm that uh, works for you.
0: That's uh, that's awesome. I mean, I must say, though, that it also requires a lot of willpower to do this every morning and to basically make decisions consciously based on data that you're analyzing, right? So I, I, fi- I would find that quite tough in my life.
1: It can be tough. Um, once you're in the flow of it, it can be very simple metrics. So even uh, this app has what they call a readiness score so you can just have a very simple approach where you say if this is below 50, I go back to bed. If this is in between 50-75, I do this, and otherwise I shoot for the stars. But of course, it is much more difficult if you have uh, quite some travel in your schedule and you don't have any any lax time to be a bit adaptive.
0: Sure. Very cool. Mm -hmm. So you uh, you mentioned that at this point in your career, you basically are not limited to anything. Now, what is that point in your career right now?
1: Where are you at? So today I'm the chief learning officer of EDU. This is the first digital native academic institution in Europe and the first in the world to actually tackle certain areas like medical education in a digital scalable manner. And uh, what I do here, I've been a part of this company from the start. And what I do today is basically um, handle a lot of areas from didactic innovation, early program development and conceptualization, the learning content production, which basically involves uh, video production team creating outstanding learning content and the program operation. So it's end-to-end, it runs across uh, our different academic and non-academic programs. And to give you a sense of range, we tackle um, precision medicine for executives, for example, um, healthy aging, how to develop healthy um, society conducive to healthy aging for policymakers, uh, we do um, care for the elderly, and as I said, the very very difficult area of actual medical education whereby um, we're trying to educate the next generation of um, healthcare practitioners particularly in developing countries by combining online education with local practice in a hospital near the student. So it's quite a few, uh, quite a few things on my plate at the moment.
0: Wow, it sounds like that. And uh, you, you're saying that you can actually become a medical doctor in an online university.
1: Yes, I mean, online is simplified. Uh, digital learning is an excellent environment to actually study uh, on a cutting-edge curriculum, getting um, the latest information, latest developments, while combining this with a practical rotation. So our students in this context actually have a modular structure in, in eight weeks online, where they work with the support of a tutor and a mentor, getting personalized support based on what they personally need, and then follow this with four weeks of practical rotation in the teaching hospital. And um, within five years, yes, one can uh, earn a degree in human medicine with which they can practice as a doctor within European countries, and of course, subject to different legislations.
0: Thinking about this and, com- and thinking about, you know, student loans mm-hmm. and debt that, that uh, you know, young people put themselves into when they go through a university, um, especially in the United States, um, mm-hmm. how, how will universities change if concepts like yours are successful? And my second question will be, what, what is the cost of per student uh, if you wanna study medicine uh, online?
1: uh how universities will change is an interesting question it also highly depends on uh the area itself business schools for example will have to be a lot more adaptive in the future mm-hmm. because uh the industry and what is required in the workplace is driving is driving uh their demand so There will be a lot of pressure on these old school academic institutions to actually modernize and prepare students for their actual working lives, which at the moment I have to say many are not doing very well. (laughs) Um, Areas like um, areas that are highly regulated, like the medical side, of course, change more slowly. Uh, but we are heading towards a more globalized education, higher access, and in quite a few areas, uh, the university setup might even become obsolete because employers are more reliant on uh, uh, you know someone's actual work experience but if it's up to me, uh, the university model would be completely reimagined to actually support people throughout their careers and allow them to study next to their work, be able to do um, three months reorientation in their 30s, take six months to study when they're 45 and they want to have a change of career. So um, that would be a very interesting direction that we're hopefully heading into soon.
0: So how do you feel like, how do you feel about the future and career? Like how is, how can a career, how is your career future-proof?
1: This is again, an interesting question. Um, At the moment, there's a lot of fear uh, that AI automation is going to kill a lot of jobs. And uh, this is a bit more like a gloom and doom narrative that makes it sound like uh, uh, the robots are coming after us and things will not be so interesting in the future, which is really not the case. Change is definitely coming and it's going to impact the careers of many people, but the way I look at it and the way I hope uh, our younger as well as older generations look at it as well adaptive. So um, what I can tell you is that every country especially within the European Union, is worrying about uh, how things will change in the future, how jobs will look like, they're making projections at different career paths, Um, shortages in different types of professionals that are out there and this data is easily accessible. So anyone who wants to know whether they're going in the right direction and they will be their career path is something that will be in demand in the next 10 15 years can actually get access to the data and uh, readjust accordingly and it's very if you're as i said a bit adaptive it's actually quite easy to uh, find your way around There's different skills like um, complex problem solver skills at the moment systems thinking is extremely important and if you develop your. uh, Personal learning path and your career to actually develop these skills that are that go across industries they're cross functional and they help you in many areas of life, you basically have nothing to worry about.
0: But that's easier said than done, though. Like, isn't this crazy that, I mean, our our parents and uh, generations in the past, basically, mm-hmm. they had their path of education and then they were in a job for 20, 30 years, 40 years, um, and basically had little to worry about their their job and uh, had little to worry about, you know, if there will be work in the future. So how how do you think about that and how do you actually st- where there's so much change going on constantly? Uh,
1: that level of change is really intimidating. It really shifts responsibility from the companies that in the past have been uh, these mass employers that allowed their parents to stay with in one place for 10, 20 years and uh, you know, plan completely for a lifetime. Now this responsibility is shifting mm. heavily on the individual where you need to plan your career, you need to think about your personal development and uh, you will likely be changing careers and job hopping a lot more than that has been done in the past. So it is very intimidating, um, but it also comes with a larger degree of freedom and it allows you to explore different areas and to grow personally. So. It's a compromise, um, but it's something that we all need to get comfortable with. So, the best.
0: So you're saying best. every. You're saying every young person or every person today needs to plan their career.
1: Yes, they definitely need a much, much higher degree of planning, and we all need to get comfortable with leaning outside of our comfort zones. So it was a lot easier in the past to gain a certain level of expertise and uh, uh, be able to, throughout your career, um, take back the benefits of that, uh, rely on that. But now things are changing at a higher pace, so growth needs to stay continuous. And basically, if within any given week you're not doing, you're not doing something you've never done before, at least leaning a bit outside of your comfort zone, not learning something that you haven't done before, uh, things will be a bit more difficult for you in terms of actually adjusting later on.
0: I'm assuming that also involves a lot of stress, though, right? So how how do you deal with stress? How do you manage stress? What What is your thought on that?
1: Um, I personally manage stress by ensuring I'm in a great fit state, so I try to uh, do enough sport, I try to meditate, I try to actually uh, be, be in control of my emotions um, in how I actually respond to different situations. Uh, This is definitely a skill that um, I recommend for everyone, especially as well, not just in conjunction to how careers are changing, but in conjunction with how busy our lives are getting and all the apps we have and the wealth of notifications. So this is stress management is definitely something to invest in and it's easiest if you focus as much as possible on your emotional reactions to different situations. Again, making it uh, becoming comfortable with being outside of your comfort zone and actually getting to a point in life where you're enjoying the slight discomfort of growth is uh, the the perfect recipe for succeeding in this environment.
0: Yeah, it definitely is, um, and I mean, staying fit and healthy is should always be the focus, right? It's often uh, it's often underestimated, especially in a busy career and especially in a work hard, play hard um, kind of feel that the startup world tends to give you. Yeah. So I want, I really think that I mean, if you get that big basis right, you you've got a lot. You've you come you've come quite far.
1: Yeah, and it's a process. Sometimes you feel overwhelmed. And when that happens, it's mm-hmm. the perfect uh, point in time to actually sit down and uh, take a good look at how things are going and learn from that experience.
0: Speaking of, of, of being overwhelmed, you told me a while ago that um, in the mornings when, when people like me are sleeping <laughs> and it's dark and cold and rainy outside, you, you love to go for yeah. morning runs at 6 a.m., Uh, how come like what what uh, what you gain from that are you crazy (laughs) what's going on
1: um the crazy thing about running is that if you do it often enough it becomes addictive so that is a bit of a hack there um in general and this is a little bit embarrassing to admit i've discovered something that really clicked for me and uh showed me that it is possible to basically convince yourself to like almost anything is just watching stage hypnosis, particularly Darren Brown, hypnotize people on stage. And uh, again, I'm not the type of person that believes in these woohoo things. I'm uh, always looking at the evidence behind it, but uh, reading a couple of books on these NLP practices, hypnosis and how it works, it gave me a really interesting belief that it's possible to reframe how you feel about almost anything and how you respond emotionally. So if anyone wants to, um, if anyone thinks they cannot get in control of their emotion, I just recommend that they look at stage hypnosis and they will um, see a completely different picture constructive brain constructive personal brainwashing is what that is
0: <laughs> you mentioned uh you mentioned the uh, books in that space do you have a book recommendation for our listeners
1: today mm. i have uh, quite a few based on what we just discussed they can check out uh darren browns first book on uh, stage presence and hypnosis. I don't quite remember the title, but I can send you the notes on that. Um, Another one would be Industries of the Future by Alec Ross. If you're looking at how Mm -hmm. careers uh, may change in the future, it's good to actually understand uh, what technologies are coming in so if you are part of the startup world and know everything there is to know about AI genomics robotics and so forth this is not for you if you want to get a strong <laughs> overview and get some personal orientation about uh, the impact and the different uh, the different trends in these areas this this is a really good book
0: great thanks so much yeah and we spoke a lot about your uh, about careers and about change mm-hmm. and how to adopt and basically make yourself bulletproof and also measure yourself in the in real time and but more specifically on your career and on how you ended up being a chief learning officer like how mm-hmm. did you get there and if somebody thinks somebody out there listens and thinks that this sounds like a super exciting role yes how can they approach that?
1: Well, there's two answers on that. I am not a traditional chief learning officer. This is just a title that came with the mix of things that I was passionate about doing. So if uh, you're generally interested in um, putting together a job profile that is maybe not common in the industry, but um, you want to base it on what you're passionate about, Honestly, the best way is to join a company that is in a stage of growth, that is relatively flexible, so uh, that allows you to grow based on your merits and just take ownership of the areas that you like. Don't ask for permission, just take ownership, do it, and do it well. Um, if learning officer is the keyword that sounds interesting, there's basically three paths. One is being a learning officer in a corporate environment. This comes from the area of HR. So if you want to go in this direction, um, you're probably looking at the HR role as a stepping stone, um, being a trainer or a coach. And you should definitely like working with people. It can be um, in an academic institution. And this usually comes from the area called instructional design. So if you are working as a teacher, if you believe that this is something that is interesting for you, that is also a path. Um, But it's also a path that will require you to be in academia for a long time. And the last interesting thing, which is uh, somewhat how my role is defined is being a learning officer in an education company or an education technology company. And this is going to be a bit like a product owner. So if you're interested in this path, and for me personally, this is the most exciting, um, take very simply a product management course and an instructional design course and bring your passion to it. There's,
0: that sounds very simple, almost too simple.
1: It's, it's simple, but it's not easy.
0: Yeah, I I agree.
1: There's a lot of work in the background, um, a lot of luck in actually picking the companies, uh, the roles that are going to help you achieve that or um, take matters into your own hands and actually build a company in the area. God knows we definitely need more um, education technology companies that have a vision and have a proper passion for learning.
0: Yeah, we should do and you know what speaking of which we also definitely need more female executives in startups and in in companies in general. Oh, and definitely. I wonder I wonder like in, even in 2019 isn't it still hard to be young and female in a, in a role like yours? Um
1: it's very young. it's very hard. Um female young and foreign that can also be a thing. Um, But it's a lot easier in the startup environment. If you're good at what you do, um, you get away with it in the startup environment and you're treated like an equal. Um, In different areas, let's say where I have um, a tangent with uh, people working in healthcare or people working in traditional academia, it becomes harder and harder, but um, in um, supportive and innovative and fast paced Berlin, this is becoming less of an issue
0: so you 're saying pick your spot, uh, pick the right company, and take it from there to make it easier
1: definitely of course i'm I believe you can be successful anywhere, but you can take shortcuts by uh, placing yourself in an environment that's more conducive to your growth and more supportive of um, allowing you to grow on your own merits.
0: Great. And in this context, like, how are you gonna grow further? What is going? What is going on in in your life? And what's
1: what's next? So I'm very excited about where Edu is going next at the moment uh, we're tackling some very important societal issues like the lack of healthcare professionals and uh, I beyond this I know that uh, my path is going to stay within this this triangle of education healthcare and technology and I am looking forward in the next couple of years to building another company in this area that tackles some some problems that are dear to me.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, give me a call once it's, once it's about time to do that.
1: Yeah. And that's We'll chat. definitely do that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Thanks so much, Alex. I, I hope you have a great weekend. Um, and I've learned a lot in this interview. Thank you, Pete. So, thanks so much and I'll chat to you soon.
1: Thank you. Talk soon. Have a lovely day in Cape Town. Enjoy the sun.
0: Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Cheers. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Alexandra. If you're interested in Edu, check out medical.edu.mt. And don't forget to tune in next week for another episode of Repeat.